joining us on Zoom. Um, again, as we, we normally say each week, if you want to pray during the open prayer time, then please unmute yourself. Um, and for those in the sanctuary, if you want to pray out loud, uh, then please raise your hand and somebody with a microphone will come. I think today it's actually, is it, is it Mark today with a microphone? Is it you today with a microphone doing a roving mic? Yes, it's Mark with a mic. Is, is Mark is our roving reporter um, this morning. So um, if you want to pray out loud during the service, then please, um, then. Uh... Right, okay, he's waving a microphone at me now, so we're all, we're all set to go. Anyway, um, <laughs> we hope you'll have a wonderful time here in God's presence. Martin and Sarah are away this weekend, so today we have, at no expense spared, Tony is coming to speak to us. <laughs> right now you know let, let's let's all be ready you know for, for when tony comes to speak have we all got our bingo cards ready ba is upper right quadrants no no i'm sorry Tony. i'm just on a bit <laughs> okay right anyway let's none of that stupidness all right okay let's just pray as we start father god we thank you that we can come into your presence with joy this morning lord just come by your holy spirit fill this place Speak to us through our worship, through the word, through our prayers. Lord, just come by your Holy Spirit now and fill this place. Fill us afresh. Fill us with joy, we ask. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. Blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glory. Name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be Blessed be the name of the 
Blessed be your glorious name. Give and take away. Give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious God who is able all 
Let the nations be glad. Let the whole earth tremble for you are God. Come worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the nations be glad. Let the whole earth tremble. For you are God. Come worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. As we praises before our God this morning. Let's just lift him up. Some words from Hebrews. Before Pentecost, after the Last Supper, Jesus and three of his disciples returned to Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled. Should I not drink the cup which the Father has given me? Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? Yet it was for his purpose I've come to this hour. Watch and pray with me that you are not led into temptation. Now, see, I am betrayed. My hour has come. Although being the Son of God, Jesus recognized that his Father's will was more significant than his own. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. obedience as we've just been hearing from his word lord lord he is lord he's our lord he's our god he's our savior we owe him all the praise and thanks and blessing that we can give him lord give the lord oh thank you lord that we can come before you just as we are lord you accept us as we are lord but you want to lift us up you want to set us free lord you're a god of salvation you're a god of hope and we just love you, Lord. Thank you for your love for each one of us, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise your name, Lord. 
Amen. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Lord, I just thank you. Just thank you that you care about the little things, you care about the big things in life. I just thank you that you are our Jehovah Jireh and your love for us is beyond measure. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you are excuse me, high and lifted up. You are, there is nobody higher than you in the whole of this world, the whole of the universe. And we just praise you, Lord, because, because you are where you are. But Lord, we ask that you would, lift, you would help us to lift you up in our lives. Father, that you would be truly um, everything that you want us to be. So, Father, we, we just thank you so much that you are high and lifted up already. Just lift us, just help us to lift you up in our lives. Father, we just thank you so much because you want this more than we do. Father, give us, give us that um, earnest desire to have this too. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the praises of your people. Lord, we thank you that we want to honor and glorify your name. And so, Lord, as we, as we continue on in our service, Lord, would you just be glorified in this place this morning? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand over to Mark, who's been wandering around with the microphone, but is now going to wander up here. <laughs> You have a, a grand total of one in the... <laughs> so, welcome. We seem to have a, a row of chairs missing at the front here. What's going on there? Um, anyway, uh, why am I standing up here? Well, as, as we are going through this new series on prayer, um, we're actually looking at the events of Easter week, Holy Week, if you like. So, but it jumps big chunks. So what I'm going to be doing in the all-age talks, all-age videos this week is sort of filling in the gaps a bit. Um, so this morning we're going to look at uh, the Last Supper and the events leading up to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Tony will be talking a little bit more about that afterwards. Um, but I'll give, bring some reflections at the end of the video as well. So enjoy. It happened about a week after that big procession when Jesus and his disciples went to Jerusalem. During that week, all the people in Jerusalem were getting ready for a big celebration called the Passover feast. It was to celebrate the time that God rescued the Jews from slavery in Egypt. 
God sent plagues on Egypt to make the Pharaoh let the Jews go free. But the Jews were safe because they had a special sign to put on their houses and their doors so that the angel of the Lord would pass over them. Jesus sent two of his disciples into the city to set up a room so that they could eat the Passover feast. And when the room was ready, Jesus and the rest of the disciples joined them. But before the meal, Jesus got a towel and a bowl and he knelt down and started washing the disciples' feet. Everything was going fine until he came to Peter. Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because he didn't think it was right or proper that the coming king would do such a lowly task. Washing feet was reserved for the lowest servant of them all, and Jesus was doing it. But Jesus said to him, Peter, if you don't let me do this, you're not truly one of my disciples, and you're not a member of the kingdom which is to come. You see, Jesus loved his disciples, and he wanted to show them how much he loved them by serving them. Then he said, now that you've seen what I have done, you should do it too. Jesus was once again teaching his disciples that the kingdom of heaven was one of love, patience, peace and service. It was putting others before yourself. Anyway, then it was time for the Passover meal. So they all sat down round a big table. And when everybody was ready, Jesus said, tonight, someone is going to betray me. The disciples were shocked and said, not me, surely not I, it can't be me. But Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is one of you twelve. Then Jesus took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it into pieces and gave it to each of his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to remember me. After that, he took a goblet of wine. Again, he prayed for it and he said, this is my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus was talking about his crucifixion and this meal became known as the Last Supper because it was the last meal that Jesus would eat before his death and resurrection. As Christians, we remember and celebrate this meal in the act of Holy Communion. After they had finished their Passover meal, Jesus asked the disciples to go with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Jesus asked them to keep watch while he went a little further to pray on his own. Overcome by sorrow, Jesus fell to the ground. He was attended by an angel and he prayed, Abba, 
Father, you can do anything. If it is possible, please find another way. Take this cup of suffering from me. But if it is your will, I will do it because I love you and I want to do what you want. When he had finished praying, Jesus returned to the disciples, only to find them sleeping. Could you not stay awake and watch for one hour? Enough! Get up! Look, my betrayer has come. One clap. That was good. <laughs> um, okay, so... A couple of things that, that, that struck me um, in, in that story. We all know that story so well, don't we? Um, but Jesus obviously came as a servant. In his word, he says, I came to serve, not to be served. And he demonstrated that to his disciples through washing their feet and throughout his whole life, in fact. Um, so he, right up to the end, he was teaching. And then... It was important for him to be a servant, to be a servant king. And then right up until the end, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he demonstrated that he wasn't only there to serve his friends, to serve us, to help us, but actually what was the most important thing for him was serving his Father in heaven and doing his father's will he prayed if it's possible take this cup from me but your will be done not mine i don't know how i would respond i don't know how i would deal with that but jesus was so focused and so in love with his father in heaven that whatever his father wanted he wanted can we say the same? I'll leave that with you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. It's time now for our young person <laughs> to go to, <laughs> to, go to uh, his group. Lawrence, it's time. Sorry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> We know you can do it, we know. <laughs> there seems to be an enormous amount of people going out for one child. <laughs> uh, right. Well, pray, pray for Lawrence as he goes. Uh, he's been bribed. Nice one. Nice one, Mum. And we'll also take up the offering. Thank you, Mark. You can just bring that to the front. Thank you. For those on Zoom, it's quite funny. We're just watching Lawrence going back and forth. Anyway, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And we thank you for the fact that you give us our daily bread. And you give us all the money that we have. Lord, everything we have comes from you. And so, Lord, we just ask that as, as the, the money that's been given today in the plate and that that's been given through bank accounts, Lord, we just pray that you will use it to further your kingdom here in Newhall. Lord, we want to see more people coming to know you. And so we ask that you would use it in that way. Lord, also we pray for um, our young people, those that aren't here today and those that are. Lord, we pray that you would just bless them wherever they are. May they know more of Christ. 
We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, our reading this morning. I believe that's the next bit. So our reading this morning. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Once, once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. <coughs> when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's pray for Tony as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, when you prayed, you still wanted the Father's will to be done. And so, Lord, now as we come to hear your word, Lord, let your will be done in our lives. Be with Tony now as he speaks, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jack, and the team upstairs for uh, leading us into God's presence. Um, so for those with your bingo cards, it's got BA in the top right-hand corner. You're not going to win. There is no BA example this week. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I'm going to embarrass myself with something else so, this time. So, uh, so we're continuing um, with prayer course two, and uh, prayer course two looks at um, the days leading up uh, to Easter, and we've got Monday Thursday um, today to to look at, and. Uh, the title of it is obviously suffering, um, but it's asking the question, how am I going to get through this? It's probably a question that we've all asked ourselves at some point uh, in our lives of uh, when we're going through suffering, how am I going to get through this? And uh, I pray that as we go through this, that uh, God will give us the answer to that. Uh, I think it's quite apt with uh, what my wife and I are going through at this time that I get this subject to um, to speak on, um, because as I sat down to do it, it was certainly speaking into my heart um, for all that's going on at this time. So for me, when I looked at this passage, um, the two verses um, jumped out, 32 and 34, and it says this, um, if I can find it. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. So two, two verses um, that sort of jumped out to me. 
my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Now, I don't know in the suffering that perhaps you've been through, um, and I know some of our uh, folk here have lived through a war. Um, I don't know that um, I've ever been so overwhelmed to the point of death in the suffering that I've gone through. And Jesus comes to this point looking forward, that he's not going through it at this moment in time, but he's going to go through it. So thinking about what he's going to go through over the next few days, he's overwhelmed to the point of death. So that's where I want to get to um, this morning. That with Jesus overwhelmed to the point of death in the suffering that he was about to go through, and he went through it and came out the other side. So if he'd have been asked that question, how am I going to get through this? He knew the answer was through the help and support of God. Now the disciples, they weren't ready for this because they, they seemed to be, as they went through um, life with Jesus, not ready for anything that he did. He didn't sort of conform to anything that they expected him to do. So when they went with him, while he went off to pray, they slept. They didn't see the enormity of the situation that he was about to go through. He seemed to be on a path that made no sense to them. The Jews expected the Messiah to come and to free them from Roman rule. That's not how God saw it. The Messiah has come, and eventually his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven, but not now. This is not God's timing for that to happen. So their expectation was that would, that's what would happen, but in fact, that's not how God saw it. And Jesus' words uh, to them in the Garden of Gethsemane perhaps clouded their understanding or, or enforced their lack of understanding of what was happening at this moment in time. Hence, it wasn't important to them, so they slept. Jesus is in agony over what's about to happen, and the disciples are sleeping. They long to see the coming of God's kingdom, but something was going to change from their expectation. Now, for those that um, know Gethsemane, um, I'm sure you'll know this, but uh, for those that don't, Gethsemane, um, and I'll read this, this was a place just east of the Temple Mount area in Jerusalem, across the ravine of the brook Kidron, and on the lower slopes of the Mount of Olives. And Gethsemane was surrounded by ancient olive trees, but Gethsemane means olive press. It was a place where olives from the neighborhood were crushed for their oil. Significantly, this is the place where the Son of God was about to be crushed for the sins of you and me. And this was the mysterious strands of God's redemption plan revealed through the centuries, as we've, we can read in the Old Testament, coming together at this time in Jesus Christ and would happen over the next few days. So how would God's plan to defeat sin and death and bring saving grace to his people happen? How would we be restored back 
to a relationship with God. Now, Mark, in this passage, uh, points us to the cup and points us then onto the cross. Jesus would feel the full force of evil uh, and the weight of every sin would be laid on him. He would feel the destructive power of sin and death. And repeatedly in the Old Testament, the cup is a powerful picture of what would happen. Uh, Jesus would feel that full, full power. Uh, and it's a powerful picture of God's wrath uh, for judgment on his people. Um, three passages just to uh, highlight that. Psalm 75 verse 8 says, In the hand of the Lord is the cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out, and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. And in Isaiah, Awake, awake, rise up Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the hand of the Lord, the cup of his wrath, you who have drained it to its dregs, the goblet that makes people stagger. And finally in Jeremiah, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. So the cup signifies God's wrath. And Jesus, for this very period that he was about to go through, became an enemy of God because he was forced to drink from the cup of God's fury and judgment. And the reason he did it was because we don't have to. He did it all for us. What an amazing God we have. Pours out the cup on Jesus instead of on us. And at this time, all of Satan's armies would do their worst in the battle of good versus evil. That injustice or justice would be poured out on injustice. It's not fair, but this part of God's plan. And Jesus took it on himself by saying yes to carrying out the Father's plans. Because of what Jesus was about to do, people would be set free. Creation would be set free from the power of sin and death. And this is the transforming power of Jesus now and for eternity. The power to transform lives from sin to death and death to forgiveness and eternal life. So three things uh, from this passage, transformation through suffering, transformation through strength, and transformation through purpose. So if you like, it's transformation through suffering, but being good Baptists, we've got to have three points. So, so you're, going to have, uh, you're going to have three points. So transformation through suffering, transformation through strength, and transformation through purpose. So transformation through suffering. God never promised that we as his children would be exempt from affliction, exempt from suffering, because we live in a world that has fallen, a world that is full of sin, and therefore we are subject to the same things as the rest of the world. In fact, Jesus didn't promise us an easy life, did he? 
He said, you will suffer for my name. And we can see Christians around the world suffering for the name of Jesus Christ. So not only what the world has to offer, but what man's injustice to man is going on in our brothers and sisters in Christ suffering around the world. But there is hope. It's not all doom and gloom. There is hope. And the hope is because Jesus took on the sin and all the God's fury so that we didn't have to. Our hope is in him. That when we go through suffering, that he's there with us. Now, he doesn't always deliver us from suffering, but he's there standing with us as we go through it. And he promises to transform us because of it. And I guess we have two choices as we go through suffering. How we come out the other side, we have a choice to make. We can say, I prayed and prayed and prayed and God didn't take this from me, therefore he doesn't exist and I don't want to know. Or God was with me in all of that and I am a different person now because he took me through that. He does it for a purpose, and we'll come on to purpose a little bit later. So in times of suffering, we can be assured, because God promises it, that we don't stand alone. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged and I take a lot of heart from that that God knows what I'm going through but he goes before me he then comes with me and then leads me out and I'm a better person because of what God has done through that and he calls us not to be afraid or discouraged so we need to come out of suffering on the positive side and not the negative side. Because it's so easy to be discouraged because we think God has abandoned us. But he's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Therefore, we should always be encouraged because he's going through it with us. And Jesus, of course, knows all about suffering. And he experienced more than I will ever experience. I mean, I cannot get my head around how much pain, suffering and agony Jesus went through. All the beatings he took, the crown of thorns placed on his head, nails through his hands and feet. I, I just cannot imagine the, the pain and suffering that he went through. So it's no, no surprise that before it all happens, his soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. But what does Jesus do? He takes himself away and he prays to the Father. And he says, my God, my God. No, at his, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. At his darkest hour, uh, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for, to forsake means to turn away or withdraw from. Why would God do that to his own son? Well, it was necessary because God is holy and he cannot look on sin. And because the whole of our sin 
and our shame was poured onto Jesus. He couldn't look at him. But Jesus knew. Although God, for this moment in time, would turn his back on him, he was always going to be there for him. You know, one of the ways uh, in which we, as we go through suffering, it builds character. I don't know whether you know that, but suffering is character building. I'm not sure I see it all the time when we go through things, but it is character building because hindsight's a wonderful thing. We look back. And I've often said, I don't know how I got through that. But I got through that because God was with me in it. And he was there supporting me. And God has that incredible ability to restore and make all things new again. Because we do come out of suffering and we end up in a better place because of it. But what we need to do is to draw near to him whenever we're suffering. And if we do that, he restores us back to a right relationship with him because he wants to pour out his love and his forgiveness upon us. But what we need to do is become more and more and more dependent on him rather than dependent on ourselves because we don't have the abilities, the resources we need in order to go through the suffering. Now, how much we're transformed through suffering is dependent on how close we stay to him during it. Does that make sense? We need to be close to him to feel those loving arms surrounding us as we go through things and not think we've been abandoned by God. The more dependent on him, the closer we get to him, the stronger our relationship will be with him and the more we will be transformed. Secondly, and I love this picture, I love this picture. Transformed through strength. If you like, that's me standing there, and what's written on the blackboard behind me is the Holy Spirit. I am weak, I am feeble, but the Holy Spirit has such power. So it can be transformed through strength. Mark 14, verse 36, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus takes himself away and he prays to the Father. And I'm sure we're exactly the same when we go through suffering. We ask God to take this cup from us, take this suffering from us. Take this pain, take this agony, whatever we're going through, take it from us. What perhaps we don't then pray is the second part. Yet not my will, but your will. In all honesty, because I have to look at myself, in the times of suffering, that's the last thing I've prayed. Take this cup from me automatically comes out of my mouth. Not my will, but yours be done. In the midst of suffering, that's not easy to do. And I know I failed to say that. But Jesus knows the Father is always right. And I know nothing. 
But one thing I've come to realize in all of my Christian life and my Christian journey is that God knows more than I do. And I'm so pleased because I know nothing. In comparison to God, I know nothing. He sees the beginning from the end. And if he wants to put me through something, then he will in order to transform me to be a better Christian than I could be if I hadn't have gone through that. And so as hard as it is, I need to learn to say, not my will, but yours be done in this situation. So he may not take me out of the suffering, but what he does do is to be with me through it and provides me with the resource in order to be able to cope with it. Those strong arms behind me are always there, ready to take control. It's not a human strength. I haven't got the strength to get through a lot of the suffering um, that I've gone through and my wife and I are going through at this particular time. But only God can give me the strength that I need in order to come out the other side a better person because of it. And Jesus is the great example of that strength in action. And it's that strength that was given to him by the Father. It enabled him to endure all that he was about to endure over the next few days. The beatings, the humiliation, the crown of thorns, the nails through his feet and hands and the, and the sword in his side. Gave him the strength to cope with that. And what God has done for his son, he will do for you and he'll do it for me. So how can we cope in these situations? Isaiah 41 verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Just take hold of that, if nothing else, this morning. What a promise of God. And I really love that verse. And in the midst of suffering, that's the one I keep quoting to myself. Because it's full of the great promises of God. That we should never be dismayed in our suffering. Because he will be there and help us. He will strengthen us and uphold us. No one else can do that like God can do it. So why not have the best rather than second best because he's willing to go through it with us thirdly and finally transformation through purpose and jesus is the greatest example of suffering with a purpose because he endured all of that because of his love for you and his love for me to take away the sin of the world to transform us to be righteous, clean, holy people so that we didn't have to drink the cup of God's wrath. Jesus did it for us. That we are now set free because of Jesus. So Jesus had a perfect plan for his suffering. The purpose behind it was that we might have a relationship with him, that we might have a relationship back with God. 
Now, I'm someone who, and this is, this is the bit, expose myself again, uh, who hates injections. I mean, I hate anything medical, full stop. But I hate injections. I hate injections. I've been at the dentist for a couple of months back because I had a cracked tooth and they had to take half of it away to get below the crack. I refused to have an injection. So I suffered all that pain and agony because I would not have the injection. I hate them. The reason I hate them is that I have fainted so many times after having an injection that now, whenever anyone tries to give me one, I warn them. So flu jabs, I warn the nurse at the practice. I have a habit, and I say habit, of um, you know being okay while you do it, and then as I walk into the door, I never get to the door. I then wake up in a seat somewhere. So I warn them. But I know that that pain and that falling on the floor has a purpose. And it's to stop me getting flu. It's to stop me getting COVID. You know, four injections. I didn't faint once, so I've given myself a big tick and a pat on the back. You didn't faint on any of them. But the purpose behind it was that I would not catch, or if I did catch COVID, that it would be not so bad. And I got COVID last Easter, and it was like having a, a bit of a cold. And that was the worst it got. So the purpose behind the pain of the injection was that I wouldn't get something worse. Now, for me, because I know why I'm having the injection, what about a baby that you take along to the practice to have the MMR and all these other wonderful jabs? In my day, it was polio as well, and they didn't have sugar lumps until it was my children were there. Uh, so you had to go through all that pain, but the child suddenly gets this needle in their arm or wherever they want to put it uh, cries out in pain and agony but they don't understand why we're doing it why they're going through that pain and that suffering but we know that it's for good god knows when we go through suffering that it is for good romans 8 verse 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So just like that small child does not understand why they're going through that pain and agony at the time of the injection, there is a purpose behind it, and the purpose is good. We're preventing them catching something that will cause them a lot worse harm. So we may not always know why we go through suffering, but we need to hold on to and trust God because he's the one that does know. And often hindsight's a wonderful thing. We look back and we say, yeah, I don't know how I got through that, but I know God was with me and took care of me. And God's wisdom works in all things, the suffering and the pain. It all works together for good for those who love him. Why? Because going through that will make us more Christ-like. Because Christ suffered more than we'll ever suffer. And to be like him is just wonderful. And we will one day 
being Christ-like when we meet him in the air or we go to glory to be with him. When everything's going well, sometimes we don't focus on God, do we? I, I like the song that, that, that Steve chose, you know, when, when all is well, <laughs> you know, perhaps we don't need God as much, but when everything goes pear-shaped, we tend to go to God even more. But we're told in the Bible, in all circumstances, to praise him. Hard as that may be, we need to do that. We need to rely on God, not rely on ourselves. Our Heavenly Father wants us to rely on him and rely on him alone, not rely on ourselves. <clears throat> and I borrowed this because I, I really liked it. God's goal is our eternal character, not our immediate comfort. God's goal is our eternal character, not our immediate comfort. In other words, he's building character. I'd rather he did it some other way than going through suffering, but he builds character through suffering. And Paul makes this point in Romans. Um, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us there is a purpose behind the suffering and it's to produce character and character produces hope there is hope a promise of god that he will never leave us nor forsake us as we go through suffering. And in our current circumstances with my wife and myself, I know I could not have coped without God. I know I could not have coped without you. Because I really do not understand how I've got to the point I've got to. Two things um, have been said, well, three things actually have been said to us over the last 10 days and it started with someone coming up to me and saying i've got a picture for you and it's when moses is standing and people are holding up his arms the picture is us as a fellowship holding up your arms knowing that you will win the battle we will win the battle in Jesus Christ, because I'm not standing alone. I'm standing with God and I'm standing with you and you're standing with me. And I am so, so grateful for that. So that was the first thing. The second thing was I had an email from someone who said, I'm standing with you, brother, in prayer and righteous anger over what has happened to you and Val since Christmas. And for those that don't know, just, just very briefly, she got taken into hospital <clears throat> and had a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. And since that time, we have been left alone with no support and no nothing of not knowing what to do. 
And it came to a head last, not, not Friday, just gone, but the Friday before, where she was really unwell. I didn't know what to do. And I called the doctor and said, somebody help me because I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. And uh, a doctor called back. Uh, they sent out the paramedics. And the paramedics came and they were with her for about 50 minutes saying, no, this is all good. Well, it's not good, but <coughs> it's part of the congestive heart failure. What she's experiencing is that. So I felt quite positive. And then the doctor phoned back later and she said, uh, I've put a, a prescription into uh, the chemist um, for vertigo. vertigo. How vertigo when the paramedic said it is not vertigo because that's what he had on his thing. He said, this is congestive heart failure. And every time you stand up, your blood pressure goes through the floor and you fall over. I was so angry. I was so angry. Uh, and I got asked some people to pray, and, and they prayed. And um, somebody came back and said, you need to call the consultant secretary, explain what's happened, get some, some action. So I did on Monday. I got, her, got the name, got her, phoned her, and she didn't call me back. <laughs> I phoned on Tuesday, left a message. She did call me back. And I explained to her what had happened since my wife got taken into hospital. She was shocked that we were left all alone. And she said, right, as of now, I am going to give you the number of the heart failure team in Woking. I am going to email them the echocardiograph and ring them straight after this call. So I did, and I left a message. They came back to me and they said, yeah, we got the referral, we got the echocardiograph. And we'll be out, or we'll ask you to come in within four weeks. Now, this is since Christmas. No support, no help. I explained to him the story <laughs> again. And he changed. And he said, right, we need to come to you. And so it'll either be me or one of my colleagues. We will come to you, and I hope it will be within less than four weeks. I got a phone call on Thursday. They're coming on Tuesday. The power of prayer, the power of support from you and those on Zoom and those that are not here has been incredible to us. Because I honestly do not know how I do all the things at home that I normally do. I'm now doing all the things that Val used to do and all my church thing, and I still have time to rest. I don't know. But God is with me. He's going through it with me. And the third thing that happened this week is that I had an email to give to Val because God had given a word to someone in this church for Val. And I forwarded the email on to her and I watched her read it. And I'm praying that she would have read it and taken it to heart because I think it's what she actually needed at that time. So going back, how suffering how do i get through this follow jesus example what he did was he got a few friends three of them took them away he then prayed to his father and trusted god not my will but yours and because god jesus went through it 
we have eternal life because of Jesus Christ. So I'm confident that God is standing with me. You are standing with me while we're going through this. And we will win the victory. I know that. And I'm sure you're praying for that too. So on behalf of my wife and myself, thank you. Please continue to hold my arms up because every now and then they droop and uh, I need holding up again. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for the love and care that we show to one another. But we're following Jesus' example. As we saw in the video, Jesus washed their feet, serving one another. And we thank you that you've placed us here, not by accident, but we're here for a reason, because this fellowship needs each one of us and the gifts and talents that you've placed in us. So I thank you for all those opportunities that we have to share with one another, to pray for one another in the good times as well as the bad times. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will move in this place that those that are going through suffering at this time will know your peace, will know your love, will feel those everlasting arms surrounding and holding close to your heart. So we thank you for your word to us this morning and we pray that we will be the people you want us to be from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Thank you very much, Tony. That's amazing. Um, if anyone wants prayer after the service, then please stay in the sanctuary. Otherwise, please make your way through quietly through to the, the lounge for, for tea and coffee. And please join us for that afterwards. But if you do want, as I say, if you do want the prayer, if, if something that Tony said this morning, if you feel that you need to be held up, then please, please, you know, stay in the sanctuary and the prayer team will be with you. Um, but let's finish by singing my cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Let's stand together.
Father God, as we go out of this place today, Lord, help us to put our hope and our trust in you. In every storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Amen.